Thank you that by faith we believe for victory. By faith we see victory, Lord. By faith we know that you're at work in our lives and moving in our circumstances. You're meeting our every need. By faith we believe that you will always meet our every need, our emotional needs, God. For those with real significant emotional needs today, we pray that you rest on them and speak to them and bless them, Lord. Thank you that they're here in church where they might receive the grace and the goodness of God and God's people. Lord God, I pray that you'd minister to your people. For those who need a physical touch, an emotional touch, a spiritual touch, relational touch, Lord, whatever's going on, Lord, we just pray that you'd be ministering all over the campus. Lord, for those who are watching online, and we just pray, God, that you would be ministering powerfully, Lord. God, thank you for who you are and for who we are in you. By faith, we know that we are your adopted sons and daughters if we've come to you by faith. We know that you take us in, that your grace is sufficient, your mercy is unending, your love is unconditional, your kindness is supernatural, Lord God. We, we just thank you, Lord. By faith, we just we wanna walk in all of that truth and that reality, Lord, so help us to do so today, Lord. And then as we kind of get our heads around that and our hearts around that and our lives around that truth, Lord, help us to walk in that all the days of our lives, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you for who you are and for what you're doing at Harvest Church and all over the Central Coast, wherever the name of Jesus is being lifted up, all over the world, wherever the name of Jesus is being lifted up, you're doing wonderful and profound things. So thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. For those struggling, we, we, we know we've got lots of brothers and sisters in the Ukraine, Lord, and, uh, and people just struggling right now, Lord, we just pray that you would strengthen them and help them, Lord, that you'd protect the innocent, Lord, and work supernaturally in that place like we already know that you are, Lord God. Pray that you would bring bring the conflict to an end, Lord, a peaceful end, and God, that you'd be glorified, and that we would see the supernatural hand of God quelling that and stopping that and ending that and bringing health and healing and uh, freedom in Jesus' name. So, Lord God, we pray for your grace upon our world and our nation, our community, and our church. Lord, we need you. Thank you for this time, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn and say hello to somebody that you've never, ever, ever met. She just took first place. Nancy did. I love Nancy. Thank you for that. Where did you see Nancy? Oh, good, 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 good. At the Clark Center. Oh, next time you see her, just give me, give her a hug for me, and just tell her how much I love her. And um, she does. Ah. When she was Ron's assistant, I interacted with her. Yeah, yeah. So it was. Yeah. 
going back. Come on back. It's always hard to bring people back after uh, <laughs> the greeting time. It's easier just to, let's just keep going, right? <laughs> Come on back here. People have been asking me, why do you take your glasses off when you get up to speak? And I really hate, I, I don't like, hate is a strong word, so I'll use it. I, I hate these things. Um, so what I did is on my iPad, the beauty of an iPad is you can make the font really, really big. <laughs> so I'm going to set these here on the front row. Don't confuse those with yours because you won't like trifocals as much. But um, hey, we're, uh, we're going to do some things a little bit different today. I'm going to preach and teach for a bit. Um, and we're talking about faith. And so as an illustration of faith, so last week we had Fred Kropp coming up. He come up and he spoke to us about one act of obedience, his book that he's writing and the things that uh, kind of Stir, or spurred that on, and uh, so as we teach through Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith, I, I think it's important that we think in the 21st century in terms of what does it mean to be heroes of faith, people of faith who are just excited about doing the will of the Lord. I think that's really what heroes of faith are. They, they come in all shapes and sizes, and um, in fact, Don Gaynor, a lot of you remember Don Gaynor, but before he past, he was writing a book about all of these unknown heroes of faith right in our community, and uh, so maybe somebody will pick up the baton and, and be able to complete that work, but it's so true. People are doing all kinds of incredible faith things behind the scenes, and most of us never hear about them, but those, I'm, I'm convinced that those are the heroes of faith that we're going to be celebrating in heaven. <laughs> when we get there, we're going to say, man, I had no idea what was going on behind the scenes. And so as we think about our lives as people of faith in a, 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 a religion, for lack of a better term, of faith where God has called us by his great grace to be people of faith. I mean, you think about it. We, by faith, we trust an invisible God for his grace to forgive us, to cleanse us, to set us free from the bondage of sin. We trust the invisible God who does visible work in our lives, but we attribute it to him by faith, believing that he is omnipresent, omnipotent, that he is everywhere present at once, ministering in our very needs. And so we're talking about faith. I looked at Hebrews 11 in my notes, and I taught on Hebrews 11, four weeks in a row back about a, a year ago. And um, as we were getting ready to go into 102, 102 is our new worship center. We should be in next month, maybe. <laughs> I say it, you know, hold everything kind of loosely, you know, but our new worship center is up the road. And, and as we got ready to take on that challenge, I, I just thought, felt it was important to talk about faith and build us up in our most holy faith. And, and then almost a year later, we're almost done with the project and we spent way more money than we expected, but God has been so faithful, and so by faith, we continue to get the project done, and we'll be in there hopefully in April, but our whole lives are about faith, and so when we think about our faith lives, we're going to be inter interviewing Shane here shortly, who just got back from Africa, spent six months in Africa. I don't know if you remember, but we prayed him out about seven months ago, and he's been back for a few weeks now, and um, 
And I, I, it's easy to think, okay, I'm in Africa, I'm, I'm here to minister by faith and to do all of these things. And that's like one of our greatest fears, right, in the world. Like, Lord, I, I want to serve you, but I don't, I don't want to go to Africa. <laughs> like, please do not send me to Africa, right? Um, but listen, if God sends you to Africa, it's because he's got work for you to do, and he'll prepare your heart and your life. And when you get there, it's going to be like a hand in a glove. It just fits who you are, your gift set, and all of that sort of stuff. So most likely, God won't send you to Africa. But if he does, where then wherever he sends you or whatever he asks you to do in your neighborhood, in your place of work, faith is a part of every response to God. Um, as you're sitting here today, you're by faith asking the Lord, Lord, speak to me. I know you can hear me by faith, Lord. And so you're believing God to speak. To you. I was talking to a woman in between services, and this is the anniversary of her husband's passing and her daughter's passing, and she's here uh, in her brokenness by faith, believing that God's going to minister to her. I talked with uh, a woman as I was out in the U area, and um, Kelly Wade, she has her little bundle wrapped up next to her body, and uh, it's this precious little girl that they brought into their lives by faith. I said, how many does that make? And she said, well, that's number seven. <laughs> number seven. I said, the number of completion. So, so <laughs> maybe this is it. I don't know. Anyway, I think she's open for that. Anyway, so number seven, uh, she's by faith. Just She and Tom had brought this precious little baby into their lives, hoping to make it a permanent thing, believe in God for great stuff for that little, little, little baby. So on the macro level, on the micro level, we walk by faith doing what God has asked us to do. So we're going to answer the question today, what does faith look like? Part of the way that we grow in our faith is just by being plugged in in church and Bible study throughout the week, and there's lots of great stuff going on. So get involved in a small group. The journey groups are kicking off. I did the journey last year and um, spent nine months in that, and it was just an incredible opportunity to grow in my faith as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, to grow, to grow in my ability to just comprehend God on a new level. It's just, it was powerful. It was powerful. I've been hearing all of these testimonies about people going through the journey and just how their lives have been transformed. And a lot of people just keep going through it over and over again. So there's women's groups, there's men's groups. If you're interested in joining the journey group, um, just fill out a communication card. Let us know and we'll, we'll get you in touch with the right people. Sound good? Do, do, do the necessary things to build yourself up in your most holy faith and watch what God will do powerfully in you. So we're going to answer the question today, what does faith look like? Before we answer that question, let's first define the word Faith, and we define it right from the scripture in Hebrews 11.1 1, where it says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot, say it with me, see. If we can see it, it doesn't require faith, right? But if we can't see it, that's when faith is required. And so everything about God and everything about his plan for us requires faith faith, to believe him for things we cannot see. And so we, we're to pray without ceasing. We're to walk in relationship with Jesus, filled with the Spirit, and allowing God to direct our steps, to direct our conversation, so that by faith we might do what he has called us to do. By faith we might speak 
speak the life-changing words that we need to speak. By faith, we might pray the life-changing prayers that need to be prayed over somebody's life. But where does this faith come from? Where does all this good stuff come from, this strong faith come from? It comes right from the scripture. In Romans 10, 17, uh, we're told, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we're built up in our most holy faith. We're strengthened in our faith as we turn our attention to the word of God. As we, and that's our hope every time we teach or preach is that people will be built up in their faith so that they can move forward as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ in their faith to encounter the world, to conquer the world for Jesus and to do great things for Jesus. And so faith... Uh, faith comes from, it's like the reading of the word like injects us with faith and confidence in God. We read stories about the people of old like Hebrews 11 talks about. We read stories about what those who have gone before us have done and it builds us up and it gives us courage to do what God is asking us to do in the simplicity of our own lives and the complexity of our own lives. What is God asking us to do? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you're struggling in an area of your life uh, to have faith in an area of your life, if you're struggling with a relationship to have faith that God is working and reconciling, healing and restoring, just turn your attention to the word of God and ask the Lord to speak to you. I, I still do this to this day. Lord, as I open up the scripture, would you speak to me through your word? Would you, would you bring truth, illuminate truth to my understanding so that I might understand what you're saying to me and how I might apply it to my life? And then as I am able to do that, I'm built up. If I neglect the word, if I neglect time with, with, with my father, if I do, my faith begins to wane a bit, I begin to struggle. But when I come into relationship with him and read his word, faith is, it's injected again. It's powerful. So what does faith look like? Number one, and I'm going to give you the first point to the message today and we'll wrap up the rest of the points next week because I want to leave time to have a conversation with Shane and the clock never got started. So this may go long today because I have no idea how long I've been up here. I, has it been five minutes? Has it been 25 minutes? Do I have five minutes left? Do I have 25 minutes left? I have no idea. So we might have to order in some lunch, fellowship around some food, and take little naps. We'll get little blankets and that sort of thing. So what does faith look like? Faith is obedience to God. Faith is obedience to God, especially when God directs us to do something we don't fully understand, and it's been my experience <laughs> that God usually directs us in, a, in an arena, in an area, to do something we don't fully understand. I don't fully understand preaching, if I'm honest. I think, why can't people just read the Bible? What's the point of somebody expounding and preaching and leading in that way? I'm always perplexed by it. I'm like, Lord, it must be a supernatural thing, because I'm just a normal guy up here trying to teach and preach and trying to explain some things. And God, for whatever reason, does something with it beyond any of my capacity or ability. So there's all kinds of things that God does supernaturally when we just surrender ourselves to him. Shane will be talking about that today. So faith is obedience to God, obedience to God, especially when God directs us to do something we don't fully understand. God's plan they don't always make human sense. Has that been your experience? Like, Lord, I don't understand why you want me to do this. 
Like, I've already got six kids. Why, why do I need a seventh kid, right? <laughs> like, I, like I, I'm getting older and I just want to chill, right, in this season of my life. Why are you asking me to do this uncomfortable thing, this thing that takes me out of my comfort zone? Oh, God, I'm just a kid. Why would you want to use me? I was having a conversation between services with a five-year-old. And I asked him, I said, have you given your life to Jesus yet? He's like, no, I'm going to wait till I'm 12. I said, <laughs> I said why 12? And then we talked about baptism or something. Yeah, like his plan is to get baptized at 12. I said, well, why don't you just accept the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ right now? And he said, ah, I will when I'm 12. I said, do you know what the grace of God is? Like, I, so I explained it to him. And I've known this kid since birth, and now he's five. And um, anyway, so I'm just sharing the gospel with this guy, and he's listening patiently and being just polite with me probably. But, <laughs> but I'm sharing the gospel with him. So I'm like, man, if you can get it at five years old, why wait till you're 12 years old, like right now? So if you can get the gospel now in your season of life, why would you wait? Why would we wait to, by faith, just welcome the goodness and the grace and the kindness of Jesus? If you are beginning to understand the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ, just welcome his message in his life into your life and watch what will happen. God's plan uh, doesn't always make human sense. It can be even counterintuitive, like, like, this is not something I would normally do, Lord. Uh, God's plan will always test your faith. God's plan always tests our faith. We're going to be talking about a man, Abraham, who was tested in his faith and who came through it with flying colors, by the way, and we're going to learn some stuff from him. And God's plan for his people always requires faith. So picking up where Pastor Jeremy left off last week. We're in Hebrews eleven, seventeen. We're just gonna get through a couple of verses today. It says this in Hebrews eleven seventeen. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, and this is a quote from Genesis 21, 12, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. So Abraham and Sarah received this revelation. As childless people, they received this revelation from God. Go to this land that I will show you, and I will make you the father of many nations, like the sand of the seashore and the stars in the sky. That will be the number of your descendants. So they're child Liss. Sarah is barren, unable to have kids, and so time goes on, and then uh, Sarah's like, hey, take my servant Hagar and go, you know, do the thing, and maybe God will provide a descendant through her, and so Ishmael's born, but God reiterates, this is not the son of promise. So the son of, Pro son of promise is born, supernaturally, wonderfully so, Abraham is a, was 100 years old. <laughs> maybe your family time is, maybe you got some more family. Sarah was 90, Abraham was 100, so maybe if you're in that range, maybe you got another kid coming, I don't know. I don't know. I don't pretend to know these things. But um, Isaac was the son of promise, and he was the only son that Sarah gave to Abraham. And so... Isaac, the only son of Sarah and Abraham, uh, God is, being, is asking them to sacrifice him. Literally, literally speaking. Literally sacrificing their son. And so 
They make plans. And I love the story because it's a hard ask. Would you? I mean, maybe if God asked you to sacrifice one of your kids, it wouldn't be so hard. But this was the son of promise, right? This was the son of promise. <laughs> this was the son of promise. And so this was a hard ask. And they're old, right? So there's not like a plan B. Like, we could try, but probably not going to have another kid. He's the son of promise. And so he had to decide, Abraham had to decide, what, what am I going to do with this direction from the Lord? And he did what all of us should do with the direction of God, and we say, yes, Lord. Because no Lord <laughs> is not actually, um, it, it's, a, it's, it's a contradiction in terms when we say no, Lord. Because Lord means lordship, leadership, priority. So if we say no Lord, it means he is no actually no longer Lord, but something else is. And so he said what he and all of us should say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Verse 13, this is what Abraham did. Or excuse me, verse 19, Hebrews eleven nineteen. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died... God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Why? Because the moment that God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac was as good as dead in his mind because the answer was, of course, yes, Lord. I don't understand, but yes, Lord. I will do what you've asked me to do. Believing that God is supernatural, by faith believing that God, if the son died, God could resurrect him from the dead. So this true story, the historical account of what happened in the life of this family might remind us of another story in the Bible. This story points us to the reality of the sacrifice God made in sending his only son to die for the sins of humanity. There are similarities. Genesis 22 tells us that it was a three-day journey for Abraham and Isaac to get to the land of Moriah, the place of the sacrifice. And so immediately hearing the voice of God, the plan of God, the direction of God, in Abraham's mind, Isaac was dead because that was the plan. Took him three days, so in his mind, Isaac is dead now for three days in his mind because this is what God directed. You might consider, conclude that Abraham had walked in such obedience that his son was considered dead. And so after three days when the sacrifice, the ram caught in the thicket to, to replace the son, it was like a resurrection. It was like a life-giving resurrection. Even as Jesus was dead three days before the res resurrection, it was, there was something about this. And we see Old Testament stories, pictures of, uh, that point us to Jesus in the New Testament. Really, that's what the Old Testament is all about. The Old Testament is all about... Uh, preparation, pointing people, uh, for 39 books, pointing people to Jesus, the resurrected Lord in the New Testament. We see the same example in the story of Jonah when we read Matthew 12, 40. It says, for as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Faith is all about obedience. I want to invite Shane up right now and um, we're going to hear about his faith journey, his obedience and um, all of that stuff. Um, so let's 
turn our attention to the front with Shane. Shane, why don't you introduce yourself? Let me give you a microphone first. And then uh, you Good can morning, everyone. Yourself. My name's Shane. Hey, Shane. Yeah, Shane, thanks for, uh, for joining us today. When you showed up, so three weeks ago, <laughs> hey, Lou, <laughs> when, uh, when Shane got back three weeks ago, I think it was three weeks ago today, right? So we're having church, and I know Shane's in Africa, I know he's coming back soon, but he just shows up, and he's sitting over there, and I'm like, what's going on? So he told me he flew 25 hours and then drove three hours from LAX uh, to get to church that morning. So if you had a rough day getting to church, <laughs> it didn't require 28 hours of in-flight and uh, on-the-road travel. So um, welcome. I've been trying to figure out a way to get you up here because six months plus ago, so almost seven months ago, we prayed you out and we've been praying for you. And uh, we've been excited to hear your update. So tell us um, kind of your story. How, how did you end up experiencing this fear that we've all had about being sent to Africa. What, what did God do to present that to you and to get you there? What does that all look like? Sure. Let me just re- rewind um, okay. back to 2018 okay. when I started coming to Harvest. I joined a men's group, and uh, Lou was actually in that group. Yeah. And uh, Mike Matty, also, he started the Bold Faith Journey, which is how I went to Africa, okay. or w- the door that opened. Yeah. And um, so Mike started a, a Zoom group that we would meet seven days a week for yeah. 30 minutes each day and pray through the Bible. We would read a scripture and pray. I'm still doing that, and it's been three years, two yeah. years? Yeah. Two years I've been on, okay. and three years that they've been. All right. So um, so how then, did that, then I, I mean, yeah, what... When did you hear, thus saith the Lord, go to Africa, that sort of thing? Sure. That, that, <laughs> That's that how the Lord speaks, that happened, right? That happened when I, when I read the scripture that it says to go and make disciples. Okay. Yeah. And so to you, that meant go to Africa? Yeah, well. To me, that means talk to my neighbor, meant, you know. It meant to be willing to serve wherever okay. I am with whatever I have. You know, I think a lot of us think that we have to be educated mm-hmm. or have to have something special. Yeah. But me, I... I I can't even speak very good. Like Moses, right? Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, but you know, I just wanted to get out of my get out of my comfort zone, yeah. and see the world, see wow. what God's doing in the world. Yeah. Through me, it's not about me. It's about what God's doing. So. Yeah. Well, faith's all about obedience, surrender, all Amen. that kind of stuff. So, what happened when you got there? Yeah, I got to a, a village in Zimbabwe, or a state in Zimbabwe. Uh, for four months, and we shared we shared the gospel to a a village of about six thousand people. Mm-hmm. Well, only about three hundred people would come. Okay, but um, three hundred six thousand people didn't have running water or electricity, sewage. Um, so we would take them the gospel and uh, and water. We yeah. also, so we call it a water ministry. Uh, twice a week, we would bring th- two three thousand liter trucks full of water, they would line up their buckets and we would fill them up, they would carry them home. And that's how they drank, uh, washed dishes, showered, um, anything, they lived out of a bucket. Yeah, what was the result? If you didn't bring that water, how far did they have to walk Um, the water? Probably a mile, mile and a half. Okay. Pretty far. All right. Yeah, round round trip to two miles. Yeah, (laughs) wow. So what did that do for the people when you 
met their most basic need for water. Yeah, water is a blessing to them. They were really blessed and, and happy to, uh, to have that. And I love that you went not only to bless them spiritually, but to bless them in a real tangible and physical way as well. I think um, that's really consistent with what we see in the scripture and with what God has called us to, that we're meant to minister to the whole person, body, soul, and spirit. And uh, when we can do that, I think we have the greatest impact. So tell me about leading. Uh, how did you guys tell people about Jesus? Um, besides the water ministry, you talked earlier about going door to door and knocking on doors and that sort of thing. Yeah, Pastor Shepard would um, share. He's a, he was Pastor our, Shepherd. Yeah, he that's was his our, name? He was our mission. So it's like Pastor Pastor or Shepherd Shepherd? Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should have a name like that. He was our missionary uh, family, and um, and so he would teach and preach, and yeah. yeah, and I would share a message once in a while too. That's awesome. So when you knocked on the door, tell us about those cubes, those the gospel cubes. Or yeah, whatever. so we had a, a Vanja cube. Vanja it's cube. A, a little block, and it's kind of the size of a Ruby cube, Rubik's cube. Yeah, and it would fold out and had images on it, and we would. Um, share scriptures with each image and explain a story. And it took about five minutes to go through and share the gospel. Wow. And before I would even finish, they would be ready to accept Jesus. And <laughs> so it's called a Vanja cube. Huh. So, so, so simplistic, but yet so powerful. Yeah, they were very receptive. I, I didn't have, people were just open to hearing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we talked earlier, and that's I kind of got a little privy information, but... Um, um, why, so you talked about the intentional spiritual warfare. So talk, we'll talk about a couple things. Talk about the uh, witch doctors that you encountered and kind of the culture spiritually in that place. Yeah, so uh, witch doctors are kind of like their preacher, their religion is ancestor worship. They um, believe in spirits and so they would consult a witch doctor. And they would perform spells if they wanted a spell cast on somebody. They could do that. The witch doctor is very powerful. They would, uh, could cause illnesses, death, and um, very oppress oppressed, dark. Yeah, so what about the gospel, do you think? I mean, because they, they're obviously part of a culture where there's just darkness and oppressive uh, spiritual st stuff going on. What, what, what about the simplicity of that five-minute presentation spoke to them. We, we spoke to two witch doctors while I was there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They were receptive to the gospel. I was so nervous. Yeah. More than I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I just couldn't believe that she, it was two, two women witch doctors. And they were just receptive to the gospel. And huh. I was, yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, part of what makes people receptive is just the the preparation in the spirit realm. Um, so talk about the hour a day of prayer um, that I believe is what prepares people to hear the gospel message. Yes, we would go and, or they would, wait, I didn't always do this, but they would wake up and pray for an hour at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. Wow. And, um, and also, yeah, it was just to, pray, to pray. break the yeah. demonic spirits, um, the plans of the enemy each night because the yeah. uh, darkness Spirits operate in the dark realms of dark, also dark yeah. at night. 
Yeah, absolutely. So they would, they, understanding the culture and the spiritual battle, we wrestled not against flesh and blood enemies, but against principalities and darkness. And so they understood something about that. I think we can learn from what they're doing in their culture and their lives. They, they recognize, now, spiritual darkness here looks different than spiritual darkness there in their culture, but it's spiritual darkness all of the same. And so there are um, generational things that we need to break through. There are things that we need to pray through and ask God for uh, grace and strength and um, opportunity to share the gospel. And so that's essentially what these guys are doing. They're saying, hey, because the enemy has got authority where he's been given authority. He's, he's able to possess what he's been uh, given to possess. And so we need to break all of that in the spiritual realm. And there's too much to go into it today. But, but there's really something that needs to be addressed in the spiritual realm and that opens people up to the gospel. And so when we do that spiritual battle, God has an opportunity. We have the opportunity to speak life and grace. And uh, so as you spoke to the witch doctors, um, and they, what does it mean that they were receptive or responsive? What does that mean? They listened to everything and then they wanted to accept Jesus. And uh, so they're going to have the pastor, the local pastor there in that village. It was a very rural area. It took us about Three hours to get to. Wow. And driving on dirt roads didn't even look like a road. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the pastor there is going to follow up with them. Okay, good. Yeah, very good, good. What was your highlight, the highlight of your experience there? Oh, too many. <laughs> too many, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just everything that God planned for me, I, I didn't really plan anything, and I always had somewhere to sleep and ate better than I've ever eaten. Um, yeah. And just. What do they eat there? Um, a lot of corn, okay. maize, yeah. yeah, and uh, and organic. Everything's organic. Beef. Okay. The cattle walk around <laughs> the streets. Yeah. The, and grazed. It's green, so they just eat grass everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So then, when it's time to eat, they yeah. grab one of those cows, and that's it. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good, 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 good. good. You got some pictures, and uh, so we let's throw some uh, the first picture up here, and you just kind of talk us through and walk us through what's going yeah, on Yeah, so there. the first week I got to, uh, we went to, pa I was staying with Pastor Ezekiel. So after Zimbabwe, I went up to, t I went to South Africa, then Tanzania. Um, so this is Tanzania. We went to Pastor Ezekiel, who was my missionary family in Tanzania. This is his in-laws. We went to their house and stayed for a week. And we would also, we would go to their, their church, uh, six days a week and pray for an hour at 6 a.m. And, and then at night we would eat dinner together and then pray and have a teaching, a Bible study. And then we would sing songs. Wow. And um, it was just very centered around God. Hmm. That was my initial initiate uh, first week there. So it was very. I'm, I'm kind of stuck at the thought of staying with my in-laws for a week. <laughs> it, it wasn't like that. They were, it's when you're, it's you're always with family there. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like okay, when are they gonna leave? That's kind of how I felt. Like, yes, yeah, you know. That, but yeah. but they don't. Their family is everything to them. Yeah, yeah. So they gather, stay for together for a week, pray and yeah. worship, and just enjoy life. Let's see the the next picture here. This is a where we set up Jesus a Jesus film. It's a projector stand, and we can project a movie onto it. So we would show Jesus film, and they could learn about who Jesus was. Wow. This is in a rural a rural, a rural area village, and there's about 200 people there that showed up for this one. 
talk about the speakers that draw the people. Yeah, the speakers are very loud. <laughs> they can they amplify and reach about two a mile a mile away. Very, <laughs> they're very loud, and so people just hear and they come curious what's what's going on, and then they'll just sit and watch, and then out. Yes, in their language, yeah. um, and then people would get saved afterwards, and it was just p- very powerful. Yeah, so how many, ch- Pastor Ezekiel is the one that plants all the churches, right? Yes, Eze- Pastor Ezekiel has been tr- planting churches for 20 years. He's planted about 27 churches. Wow, incredible. Yeah. And there just seems to be such a hunger there. Um, what do you attribute the spiritual hunger to? That they just, they don't have anything. They don't have, they don't know where they're, um, provisions are coming from, so they depend on the Lord, yeah. and they believe in God, but they don't know about Jesus. Yeah. Many of them don't in yeah. Tanzania. Okay, so when you present the gospel to them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. wonder how transferable that is in this nation, in our town, in our neighborhood. What, in your, with your experience there and knowing the culture here, what, what can, I mean, what can we do? Can we expect similar I mean, responses, or what's it going to look like for us? Sure, to going going to Africa, or no, just for us just, ministering like sure. to our neighbors in our community here in AG. Yeah, definitely. I encourage where, wherever you are. You know, I I have a short story to share that I share in the gospel. Um, I try to share it wherever I go. Yeah. Whenever I have a couple of minutes, and I just um, shared my with my tax. Uh, um, accountant guy. Yeah. On online, I said, "Do you know Jesus?" And he said, <laughs> he said "Yes." You know, so something so simple as that, taking a risk, you know. And yeah, just, just bringing Jesus into the conversation. Yes. I heard a story, I think it was uh, a week or so ago, a guy just giving his life to Jesus and he was trying to find a job and so he was at a job place and he walks in and says, hey, I've just rededicated my life to Jesus and I'm trying to find a job. <laughs> I'm like, that is so bold, right? I mean, that's so bold. And so um, the gal was a Christian as well, and so she was grateful to hear that. But I think we miss opportunities to bring Jesus into the conversation. That's what Pastor Fred was talking about last week. And I went to lunch with Pastor Fred and Pam last week, and, and sure enough, he was sharing the gospel with the cashier. <laughs> and not just because I was there and he's trying to display it or anything, but it was just because that's who he was and that's who they are. So I think we've got missed opportunities all around us if we'll just slow down, pay attention, and, and just if we go God back asks. to when when we first heard about Jesus, somebody yeah. was bold enough to share with us. Yep. Like me, I'd heard about Jesus before, but nobody really told me about the gospel. Mm. And so 2017, I met somebody who was bold enough and, and then got me, Yeah. just kept pressing and yeah. saying, hey, check, you know, look into this. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so next, next so, slide. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the kids there hadn't have never seen a white person before, so they were um, these kids weren't scared, but uh, many times li- little babies or kid young kids would see me and they would cry because they would be scared. I have that same effect on people. Yeah. It's not fun. <laughs> So what are they doing here? They're just, um, what's happening here? Yeah, we were just playing. I spent about a few hours. I was there in this village for three days, and I spent uh, about three hours with them just playing. And they were showing me all kinds of little games that are simple without, you don't need anything, but like with rocks and just just so simple how how they have fun. 
That's even awesome. without a, a PlayStation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Next slide. This is uh, the youth group at the church. That's Tumaini, which means hope in Swahili. And uh, he was very good with the kids. He also led the Jesus film. Um, he was a, a Pastor Ezekiel's assistant. Okay, okay. Um, next slide. This is how they get around on motorcycle. <laughs> Four people on that motorcycle. Yeah. Wow. And next slide. There's me with uh, his granddaughter, and or with the guy on the motorcycle, that's his granddaughter. Hmm. Uh, next slide. There's me with his pastor Ezekiel watching Jesus film on my phone. <laughs> next, and there's, we're praying for a lady. Uh, next slide. We're just gonna go through these kind of fast because of uh, time. Uh, next, this is me uh, sharing with the, the college students at a university. Um, and Pastor Ezekiel prepared a message or a teaching on uh, drug and alcohol. Um, next slide. There's where Bunda is. That's where we went for our th three-day uh, trip. And then we went up to another town called Miney, Miney, which is a mining town. Gold, they have a lot of gold there mm. in the hills. Um, it's about two hours from where I was staying. Um, next slide. This, they're singing, uh, God, you, there's none other like you. And I just thought their, their voice is so beautiful. The way you could start it over if you can. Hmm. You could play it again. Akuna Kama Way Way. God, there is none. So this church is a church that Ezekiel planted. Right. It's on a hill of granite, no roads, all trails, and they carry up the bricks to uh, my hand wow. to build any the houses and churches. Uh, next slide, please. This is through the village, through one of the side streets. There's four million people in this town. <laughs> Next slide. This is a um, little market where they sell beans and goods. That's oil in the in the bottles, cooking oil. Hmm. Next. This is when we were sharing the gospel, um, and we were just going around. So you could go next slide. Next. This is them praying. We, we prayed for an hour in church. And they just walk back and forth and pray. Or some lay down and pray. So it's a month. It's a, January is a month of prayer and, uh, okay. and to prepare the uh, wow. next slide. Yeah. On, the, on the buses there, they have uh, glory to God and Jesus. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so very, God is very real, and, and for those who have, have heard Jesus, they're, 
display it um, everywhere. So what's next for you? I would like to go back to yeah. uh, Africa after I, I finish the job at, a, at a Diablo Canyon. Yeah, yeah. And um, what's, what's the long-term plan? I would just like to get, get equipped, go to a Bible college yeah. and get equipped and go back out to uh, Africa. And yeah. Wherever the Lord sends me. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, what's the biggest challenge about going to a place like that? Um, for me, it was just finances. I, I really, um, Pastor Ezekiel's biggest obstacle was finances. Yeah. For me, it didn't, I didn't, it wasn't about, I don't need the money. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to work so I can help Ezekiel out. And uh, he has just such, such a big vision and dream for uh, what he wants to see happen in Africa. And I think finances is the only thing that's the obstacle right yeah. now. So we're yeah. just waiting on God's timing. Yeah. He's faithful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, there's a theme running through what we're talking about. And it's just your, sur- your, your surrender and your trust and your faith and just your availability and all that, that sort of thing. And I think that is transferable to us as well. Surrender, faith, availability, um, you know, to our point earlier, obedience. And then just watch what God does with all of that raw material. Like you said, you know, we, we feel like we need to be, we have certain gifts or talents or abilities, um, but God really just works best with the raw material of an obedient, faithful, willing person. So thanks for being that person, and thanks for sharing your story with us. Really, really appreciate you. I want to pray for you as we get ready to release you here, Lord. So Jesus, we just want to pray for Shane. We thank you for what you're doing in his life, Lord, and um, God, that uh, he's available. And uh, he's just holding on to his life loosely, ready to go where you would call him to go. Show us how to do that, Lord. Not all of us are single and are able to do, you know, at the drop of a hat what Shane's been able to do, Lord. But show us, Lord, in our context with our kids and grandkids and jobs and responsibilities, Lord. Show us how to do what you've called us to do, to live by faith, Lord. So thank you for the opportunity to hear this story and to be a part of this man's life. Bless him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. I'll take that. You can have that. I'll take that. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn.
victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the Thank you, Jesus, that the battle belongs to you. Thank you that you have gone before us. Thank you for the faith that we have in you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for salvation. Thank you that we get to be your hands and feet on, on this earth, God, and that the gospel gets to spread, spread wide. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.